Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Tuesday, March 26, 2019, and you know what that means. It's time to get nerdy, y'all. Welcome to episode number 97 of Two Nerds in a Pod, the nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy. I am Lom, also known as Mr. Nice Guy, and I've got my comrade in gaming commentary here with me, the miggity 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 Mac, also known as Maction. What's up, Mac? How are you, man? I'm well. I had a fantastic weekend. Uh, got out of town for a little bit. Went up north to Salt Lake City. Yes, the big city. The big uh, spent SLC. some time. Indeed, spent some time with some friends up uh, up there in northern Utah. Um, and uh, I, and I got a chance to play a few a few games. Uh, a friend of mine, while I was up there visiting, he ha- happened to have a uh, one of the, he had an HTC Vive, and oh no way, had, yeah, and he had some of those uh, some of those games. Uh, so what did we play? Mrs. The Mac played uh, played Bridge Crew, and um, I played Beat Saber. And dude, I've heard really yeah. really good things about Beat Saber. Could you give me like the elevator pitch of what it is? Yeah, sure. So, have you ever played any rhythm games, like maybe Dance Dance Revolution? Yeah, I've played DDR, I've played Guitar Hero, I've played all that good stuff. So, uh, we'll say it's DDR if you were using lightsabers and your arms as opposed to your feet to step on buttons. Um, some of the things have to be sliced from a specific direction in order to um, count them. Others have to be avoided, so you know it's basically your run-of-the-mill rhythm game, but with lightsabers. And you have um, a big thing on your head, so you got to be careful not to hurt people in the room with you. You got the big VR headset on you, right? Um, you know, uh, everybody kept clear pretty well, so I mean, nobody got hurt. Uh, although I'm sure there has been a circumstance. I mean, do you remember those videos from back when the Nintendo Wii came out? Of course. And people would course. like lose the Wiimote and it'd crack the TV. I'm sure stuff like that has happened. You know, I don't know why Wii. they haven't come up with a baseball VR game, like just for fun. You know, like just for insurance agents that want to <laughs> have people pay their deductible. Because imagine someone in the middle of their living room swinging a bat. I mean, there's there's just so much potential for humor hmm. in that. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the plus side, though, is of course because the uh, because the controls you might you remember this the controls aren't much bigger than your hands, so uh, you know there's not that much weight that's swinging around anyway. Unlike I remember, an I remember us playing it absolutely. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it was a wonderful weekend. I mean, I would certainly say that was one of the highlights. Uh, was getting a chance to play some of these games that I've heard about and I've even seen some people play but I've never tried it myself and it turns out that my skills of rhythm games are somewhat transferable I wouldn't uh, you know I I wasn't doing expert or any of the really tough songs but I did hop right in and was able to make some reasonable points on uh, some uh, you know uh, tougher than normal songs so yeah I felt great about it really dude I'm glad to hear it man that's fantastic well, as far as me, Mac, not a lot interesting to share, man. Uh, this weekend was good. I smoked some meat, you know, as I usually do on weekends, uh, which is a great hobby. You know, Mac, I, I thoroughly encourage you when you come out to let me know so that I can smoke some meat for you and for your wife. Oh, well, don't because worry. Uh, uh, when I come out to visit, you will know well in advance. Yeah, yeah. You got to give me preparation because meat, it's not like, hey, I'll be there in an hour. It's like, yo, 
this is the night before I'm going to be there tomorrow. Start smoking that brisket or whatever it is. Because sometimes it takes 12 hours, man. So um, I did that this weekend. Uh, man, kid stuff, man. Family stuff. Birthday party um, for the kids uh, that they went to. Watched some movies, man. Hung out. Got a decent amount of gaming in. Did the adult thing, man. And, and had a decent weekend. So on that note, Mac, I say we do what we do best and we hop right into the gaming news, my friend. What do you think about that? Absolutely. I will say I do have a news item to bring up somewhere during the middle. So you get you you started off. Let's do the gaming news. I've got one to share today as well. Cool. Well, I'll start things off by talking about PlayStation 4. And this comes from GameSpot.com. Oh, and by the way, for those of you who are here live, this is Two Nerds in a Pod, episode number 97, the nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy. Today, we're going to talk about the new Nintendo Switch. We're going to talk about PlayStation state of play and we're also going to talk about apple uh and their new new subscription service but we'll get later so mac first off here's the the playstation uh story that i was talking about this is on gamespot.com by kevin knezevic and it says sony's first nintendo direct style state of play presentation has ended and it's given us a look at a number of games on the way to ps4 this year the broadcast kicked off with a reveal of the new iron man vr game but that was hardly the only announcement uh, here's all the stuff that they announced, and this is on GameSpot, like I said. They got Marvel's Iron Man VR, Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled, which is a remastered version of Crash Team Racing. Uh, it's going to be out June 21st, uh, mm-hmm. and it's going to have some exclusive content, which doesn't really make sense because I thought it was going to be an exclusive on PS4 anyway. But regardless, uh, No Man's Sky Virtual Reality Update is going to be coming out. Ready Set Heroes, Five Night at Freddy's Virtual Reality Concrete Genie Days Gone, Mac, which comes out April 26th. Now, this is a highly anticipated game. Some say that the zombie genre is oversaturated. I think that we're just getting started with zombies, man. Um, And this has gotten comparisons to The Last of Us, obviously. And then Mortal Kombat 11. So, of that list of games, anything interests you? I know you don't own a VR headset, but, I mean, don't you think that the premise of playing Iron Man VR is, is just an amazing thing? Uh, yeah, I do think that, uh, you know, having just barely experienced some uh, some VR in the very recent past, um, I think that there are, you know, that there is a lot of untapped potential there. So I remember, like, probably a year ago when we were talking about virtual reality stuff, we had the conversation about if we could have any game in VR, what would it be? Now that you're mm-hmm. fresh back off a trip where you played some VR, you experienced the Vive more in depth than we got to do at a gaming expo a while ago. What would your answer be now? Anything that you'd want to see translated to virtual reality? And I know, I think I know what you're going to say, but I'm curious uh, if I'm right. Uh, you know, you're going to be wrong because I can't think of anything in this moment. I just had a general sense after playing a few games and seeing some of the titles available that there was, there was a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of room for growth. What do you mean? Like, room for improvement? Um, some To some extent, room for improvement, but there didn't seem to be that many titles. See, and that's interesting, because I texted a buddy of mine when I saw that this uh, Iron Man thing came out, because I know that he has a VR headset for PlayStation, mm-hmm. and I said, what do you think about the headset, and have you heard about this game? And he said, you know, the only thing I found with this headset is that there's just not a lot of good content. Um, mm. You know, it's a big... He didn't say this, but in my mind, it's a big, bulky piece of equipment. It's not cheap. It's almost as much as a console, and they just haven't really backed it up with the software necessary to move units. So 
I don't know, maybe this Iron Man thing will really get some people's interest going. But let's move on to our other news stories, Mac. We got a lot of cool stuff to talk about today. Um, another one involving Sony. Let's just stick with the Sony theme. This is on GameInformer.com. Uh, and it's by Ben Reeves. It says, Very soon, Sony will stop selling, excuse me, stop allowing physical retailers such as GameStop from selling codes to digital to download digital versions of its games. Last week, the rumor circulated when Wario64 on Twitter acquired an internal memo stating that digital games will be only available straight from PSN and that physical retailers would only be able to sell add-on content, virtual currency, and codes for the PlayStation Network. Here's the tweet from Wario64. GameStop stores just got a memo stating that Sony will no longer provide full game digital download codes for retailers, not just GameStop. Starting April 1st, digital games will only be available straight from PSN after that date. Add-on content slash PSN uh, dollar cards will still be available, meaning you could still buy the currency. Mac, why? I mean, let's hypothesize here. Why is Sony making it so that you can only buy digital games from their service and not from retailers? I think that's an interesting move. Um. You know, I wish I could really hazard a guess, but I just don't know much about the console digital distribution. Um, I mean, and on uh, digital distribution, you know, through like uh, for PCs, mostly through Steam and such. I don't know. I mean, I guess you can go to a retailer right now. Buy a Steam card. and And buy a Steam, or but you can also buy a game with a you know that comes in a jewel case or whatever it's called and that all it has is a steam uh a steam code on it but that you can buy it from a retailer the only thing i could really think of is that the retailer has to get a cut um or that precisely and that they're trying to cut out that but i mean i can't that's too obvious though that's it's, not what you're talking about is it no that's i mean i hadn't thought about it too much but i think that's probably why i mean it's got to be a significant portion of your profits when you consider shipping when you consider you know that you're taking up shelf space uh when you consider that it just seems like there's a lot i mean physical games are more expensive than digital that's just common sense the only time i can think that this would be a disadvantage is if you're buying a present for someone and they really want a digital copy of the game It'd be nice to go to the store and say, hey, I bought you a digital download code. Now you can't do that because you have to do it directly on PS4. But you could just buy them the currency and they could use the currency to go make that purchase themselves. So regardless, guys and girls, this is the way that uh, PlayStation or I should say that Sony is going. Uh, Now, let's talk. uh, Let's talk about Nintendo for a minute. Mac's favorite company. Uh, This is from GameSpot.com as well. Written by Eddie Mackick. I hope I pronounced that right. Nintendo has a history of releasing revisions of its game systems, particularly its handhelds. It appears that Nintendo Switch will be no exception to that, and there could be as many as two new models of Switch releasing as soon as later this year. According to a new report from the Wall Street Journal, Nintendo will launch not one but two Nintendo Switch models in 2019. One of these would feature improved hardware, while the other would be a pared-down version intending to sell at a cheaper price point. One of these new Switch models will sport enhanced features, and it's designed for avid gamers. However, its specs won't match that of the Xbox One X or PS4 Pro, Wall Street Journal said. The other system, described as a cheaper option for casual gamers, that Nintendo sees as a successor to its aging handheld 3DS device. Um, Mac, as a 3DS owner, I can't think of any features that would be exclusive to hardcore gamers. Like, let's put it in PC... Um, talk because you're a PC guy. 
Yeah, thanks for dumbing it down for me. Come on, give it to me. Well, no, I mean, I guess I'm kind of asking you. <laughs> I guess I'm kind of asking you for an example. Like, what would be some features on a gaming PC? Let, let me let me rephrase this. So let's say you're, there's two PCs being made. One is for hardcore gamers. One is for casual gamers. What mm. features are on the more expensive console? Um, on the more expensive uh, gaming PC, you've got a beefier video card. Um, you've probably got, you know, you've probably got just basically more of everything. Uh, more, you know, more uh, CPU, more RAM, more uh, video card. And I mean, hard drives, you know, sizes might be about the only thing that's roughly the same between a high-end gaming pc and a budget gaming pc yeah see and that's the thing that's so interesting to me is with something like this there's no reason for the hardware to be different maybe there's like a built-in microphone on the switch that's for more avid gamers so that they can play online and talk to people without having to use an additional app that we currently have to use to do that Ooh, yay they shaved off 25 cents yeah <laughs> and that's the thing i can't i mean first of all the switch has been out for two years and i love mm -hmm. my switch i think it's almost a flawless console there's some things i would change about the user interface but it can it can do everything it needs to do it you know it's portable i love it the pro controller is one of the best controllers ever made in my opinion um i i just don't know what the switch Pro, for lack of a better term, because we don't know the name of it yet, is going to add to the equation. So, just my thoughts. Um, let's keep things moving because we got a lot of news stories today. Um, man, we got. Uh, may we got... I interject with mine? Yeah, Mr. you Mac have guy? one. Go for it, Mac. Do it. Do it. All right. This news story comes to us courtesy of Kotaku. It's entitled "The Google Stadia Backlash Has Begun." And I would like to say that we here at Two Nerds in the Pod are happy and grateful to be a part of this backlash. Allow me to uh, just really summarize that basically what they're saying is after the Stadia was announced, uh, several people brought up uh, lots of concerns about what exactly gaming would look like in this sort of cloud gaming context. Um, concerns that I have brought up many times in the past. There is one concern, though, that uh, that really caught my eye about this that, uh, that I certainly wanted to bring up that I had never thought of before. But the three concerns broadly fall under the umbrellas, according to Kotako's writer, and I do agree with them. Um, concern about Google sp itself, specifically the longevity of the side projects that they get involved with. Uh, they do tend to start projects and then have them peter out. Case in point, Mr. Nice Guy and I right now are using Google Hangouts in order to do our uh, call as we are quite a few, couple of thousand miles away from each other. And uh, that's being phased out pretty soon. So we have other things to do. And I know we're not the only ones who use it. Um, there is a concern about mods and what mods look like in there. And uh, one of the things that was uh, definitely well brought up um, by Alex Walker, the person who wrote this uh, article for Kotaku, is uh, keep in mind that there are some games that we have that exist because they were mods to other games. Oh, we that's not an have... excellent point. That's an excellent y point. Yeah, we would not have Counter-Strike if it were not for the modding of Halo. Or uh, Halo, sorry, Half-Life. Half-Life, yeah. 
Um, and uh, to a slightly, you know, to a slightly decreased extent. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the big one that he brought up and the big one that comes to mind. Um, but I know that there are plenty of games that exist because they were made originally as mods to a different game and then just built up from there. Um, and then, of course, the third one and the one that gets me really riled up is the concerns about game preservation. Uh, a game that's never, you know, that never makes it into onto the hard drive of a user is a game that the source code can never be, you know, can never be preserved. Uh, unless, of course, it is the company themselves that preserve it. And we've seen very little incentive for any game to really preserve their uh, preserve their IP, which seems so strange, but uh, but so so strangely true. But uh, anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. Of course, very topical for us. I hope that wasn't one of yours, Mr. Nice Guy. No, it wasn't. Uh, and we'll wrap up on this, which it's not an exciting story, but I do think it's something that we uh, we need to talk about. Um, this one is from IGN.com, written by Adam Bankhurst. Uh, it says, EA has announced that it will be laying off 350 employees as it makes changes to its marketing, publishing, and operations teams and prepares to ramp down its presence in Japan and Russia. Andrew Wilson, CEO of Electronic Arts, released a public statement explaining these very important but hard decisions and that EA is doing everything we can to ensure we are looking after our people to help them through this period and find their next opportunity. This is our top priority. The full statement can be read below. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole statement, but he basically... Um, I don't want to summarize it, though, either. Let me read a little bit of it. How about that? We'll meet, we'll meet halfway. Yeah. Today we look at some important... Excuse me. Today we took some important steps as a company to address our challenges and prepare for the opportunities ahead. As we look across a changing world around us, it's clear that we must change with it. We're making deliberate moves to better deliver on our commitments, refine our organization, and meet the needs of our players. As part of this... We have made changes to our marketing and publishing organization, our operations teams, and we are ramping down our current presence in Japan and Russia as we focus on different ways to serve our players in those markets. Um, he does say this is a difficult day. The changes we're making today will impact about 350 roles in our 900, excuse me, in our 9,000 person company. These are important but very hard decisions, and we do not take them lightly. So to all the people who lost their jobs at EA, we're very, very sorry. Um, it's never a good thing. It's never an easy thing. Um, EA, for those of you who may not be aware, Apex Legends, Star Wars games, um, Battlefield Five, uh, Anthem recently came out. So, I mean, they have no shortage of games that have just released this year. It sounds like many of the people who were fired were in the marketing department. He mentions a changing world. Maybe there's just not as much need for marketing as word of mouth and podcasters and, you know, editors online get the word out for their games. I don't know why they let all these people go, um, but we do hope that they land on their feet. And Mac, that has been our news for the week. Back over to you, bud. All right. Well, now that we've taken a look at gaming as it is around us right now, let's take a little look into the past with some gaming history. Um, I just want to highlight a few things that I think are particularly noteworthy or at least particularly fun for myself and hopefully for all of you listening as well. In 1997, this week, we saw the release of Castlevania Symphony of the Night for the PlayStation 1. It was, of course, also released on several other platforms as well, but I remember it most fondly from the PS1. Um, this, of course, those of you who haven't played it yourselves may recollect 
it's where we get the what is a man but a miserable pile of secrets have at you uh some of these wonderful you know classic moments that are basically memes now in the most delightful of ways um castlevania symphony of the night is also where i became familiar with a little something called the uh called the back dash glitch that they use that speedrunners use to move pretty fast and i actually have some friends who uh these days now do speedrun castlevania symphony of the night so it's got a special place both in my heart both from the past as well as from the present um in 2003, we saw the release of Legend of Zelda Wind Waker on the GameCube. And uh, I had the opportunity to play this game a couple of years ago. I was not especially sold on the cell shading aspect of it. Back Dude, when I'm it with was... you. I'm with you on that. Yeah, um, although I found eventually that I was, you know, kind of okay with it. The, the cartoony style was kind of okay. Um I will say that uh, that the the baton as the musical instrument, because of course all the the Legend of Zelda games, you know, could not be complete without some musical instrument. Um, uh, but the baton was most uh, 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 really grew on me. Everything really about Legend of Zelda Wind Waker, um, for me at least, was a game that just over time really captured my heart. But it took me playing it to be won over. Because everything that I saw when it was released was very, eh, that's not for me. Or, oh, that's so lame. Why can't they do this? And, you know, so on. And, uh, and so It's forth. interesting, man, because when you think about the Zeldas that came before it, none of them mm-hmm. were even close to it as far as art style. Um, yeah. I mean, you had, obviously, the NES ones. You had the N64 ones. And I believe, like you said, this is the first one on GameCube. So, you know, you think, okay, this is a new system with better graphics, and it's almost like they took a step backwards graphically. Um, but it's it's such a beloved game, and it really has a certain charm to it because of those graphics. So, great game. Yeah, I was uh, I was really glad to get the chance to play it. A friend lent it to me, so I was glad to play it a little while back. Um, let's see. Oh, in the 2005, we had the release of the PSP. Uh, this week in 2005, and uh, the PSP itself had a sort of uh, had a sort of I, I want to say it felt like a cult following, right? Um, on the one hand, fantastic, fantastic handheld. I loved it. I loved the PSP. Oh, you had one? I did. Yeah, I still have it around here somewhere. Seriously, tell me about that. How'd you How'd you get it? It was great. So I remember, you know, it was one of those times in life where you know you're young, you're single, you have a job, but you don't have tons of expenses. So I was like, you know what I need? I need a PSP. Even though there were like no games for it at the time, so I went to my local Circuit City, and uh, and I bought a PSP. And I remember, I think I got N Plus. Uh, was one of the first games that I bought, and then I later picked up uh, one of the Grand Theft Auto games. And I knew that it had multiplayer capability, but I think it was only if you did it like uh, over your own Wi-Fi network. So I was disappointed at that, but it was just a really, really good console graphically. It was really smooth, really designed well. The only thing I didn't like about it were the triggers. Uh, the left and right bumpers were just like a little bit too plasticky for me. But I put hours and hours and hours into games on that console. They even had Monster Hunter before I was into Monster Hunter on the PSP. Um, Sony really knocked it out of the park with that, and it's unfortunate that they're now out of the handheld game. Well, so here's the real question, though, Mr. Nice Guy. How many UMD discs did you have? Oh, as far as the movies? 
Yeah. Only one. Um, I and I still probably have it around here somewhere. I had a, a copy of uh, Hitch, uh, the Will Smith movie on UMD, uh-huh. and, and I believe the only reason I had it is because when I bought the PSP, they let you pick a free movie, and that was mm. the one that I picked at the time. Uh, so for those of you who are going back through this years from now are like, discs, what are that? UMD. Uh, the PSP did have, uh, or at least the earlier PSPs, I think they cut it from the later versions of the thing, but they had these small discs about, you know, about the size of a half dollar. Uh, uh, for those of you who don't know, there used to be a coin called a half dollar. It was kind of big. We Just digress. Easy. We digress. Anyway, um, uh, but anyway, they were, you know, full movies at i want to say 480p that were on those things um that were on the uh, on the discs but uh a- anyway i we we digress so uh but yeah the psp in 2005 uh later of course discontinued but uh but definitely had a lot of good things going for it it was definitely the most powerful handheld it was more powerful than the then available nintendo ds ds had a much better library though Yes, yes. And uh, which, I mean, power isn't everything if you don't have the library to go with it, which I, I feel like's kind of a theme. Um, uh, the last one I just want to hit real quick, uh, 2014 Final Fantasy Record Keeper released for Android and OS. This was one of the first games released uh, that for that released on mobile devices for that were that was Final Fantasy related that wasn't just a poor port of previously released games um so i do have to give it some credit as being you know as being something that they put some time and effort into um i do absolutely love the sprite work from that game and have used the sprites from that game to uh to make perlers because they did a really good job of making you know of making low res sprites that really very well convey the characters that they're going for but uh, that's what i had for video game history today fantastic well ladies and gentlemen boys and girls it's time for the topic of the week a segment where we talk about something that's relevant in gaming today and give our opinions on it now you guys know what it is this week everybody knows one of the biggest announcements that was made this week was all this cool stuff that apple is coming up with and i use the word cool in air quotes because it's objective. They came out with a bunch of new stuff, and one of them is related to gaming. So this comes from GameSpot.com, and it says, and by the way, this is by Oscar Deus. It says, as was recently rumored, Apple is expanding its presence in the games industry with its own game subscription service. Named Apple Arcade, the service is designed to provide access to titles for mobile, desktop, and the living room. Unlike Google Stadia, however, it won't stream games from the cloud. You can watch a brief overview trailer below on their website, uh, on GameSpot's website. Essentially, Apple's service takes the form of a monthly subscription that provides unlimited access to a curated selection of paid titles on the Apple Store, on the App Store, excuse me. It sounds sort of like the Xbox Game Pass. Development partners include Sega, Konami, Disney, Sumo Digital, and Cartoon Network, among others. And more than 100 exclusive games will become part of the service. Additional games will also be added all the time, the company said, although the exact cadence for new releases was not shared. Um, It says, Apple Arcade, Mac, this is for you. 
Apple Arcade covers more than just iOS games, although these will work on devices like iPhones and iPads. Beyond that, you'll be able to play on Mac OS and Apple TV, meaning these games spin mobile laptops and TV. I'm not going to read too much more into this. Um, we have a lot of games services already. Mac, how do you think this is going to do, and what do you think about the announcement? Um, it's almost like a kicker kickstart moment. Yes. Uh, do they have a playable demo? <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. Uh, then I'm going to have to say kick. So I'm not a big fan, as we know, of Apple in general. And um, I do take issue of any time people, and I mean, I have taken issue with this uh, with Nintendo as well. When you have something along the lines of unlimited access to a narrow subset of games. Like, oh, do I? Oh, thank you. I have unlimited access to the games that you chose, which... To Angry Birds. You know, to Angry Birds, to, to whatever. I mean, uh, I am not very enthused by something like this because I feel like it's just... Uh, I feel like it's just one more step in the wrong direction rather than the right direction with regards to video games, you know? Can I ask you a it, question? It's not something we were asking for. Yeah, this yeah. Is, We've not been asking for this as gamers. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, just, it's just a step in the wrong direction. How many, if you had to guess or estimate, if you feel comfortable sharing, how many subscription services do you have? And I'm talking, uh, like, digital stuff. Okay, so if uh, do I include the various subscriptions that I have to channels on Twitch in this? No, 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 no. So like paid okay. subscriptions, not so, uh, not like your five dollar or your Amazon Prime, but like ones where you receive something in return. Well, you know, I will, I will count, uh, I will count Amazon Prime, I will count Netflix, and. Yep, that that's that's about it. I think I've got two subscriptions, not monthly subscriptions, not counting, you know, not counting various uh, subscriptions on Twitch. Uh, I suppose technically we could roll in a subscription to Adobe Cloud, although that's more Mrs. The Max thing. Um, but I'm just trying to expand my brain beyond to my household, and that's basically it. Okay. Yeah, and so I obviously I have Netflix, uh, I have Sling TV for cable for for basketball mostly, um, and I ha and I think that's it. No, I have Amazon Prime as well. Um, it's funny how you just forget about them, mm -hmm. and I feel like that's kind of their intent, right? Uh, I just saw this commercial on TV, and it was like it was showing this guy, and he was walking past the gym, and it was like Joe has a gym membership he doesn't use. Also, he has. Um, three music services that he doesn't use. Now, with this banking app, he can cancel them. And I feel like that's what subscription services do. You get them because you're like, oh, this is cool. I'll use this all the time. And then you never use it. And and I don't think that there's really people who are playing that many mobile games that they're like, you know what I need? I need something where I can play all of these in one ni nice, tight little package for 10 bucks a month. No one, no one's doing that. They're playing their 3D or their uh, 3DS or their Switch, right? people who really want mobile games that bad so i don't yeah. know no one asked for this mac you couldn't have said it better um any other thoughts on this i know it's you hate apple but i i think even if you loved apple you might feel the same way right uh yeah even if i did like apple i would have probably felt much the same way that this wasn't what we were asking for 
I I just don't even think that there's good enough caliber games on on mobile to request or to provide this type of thing, right? Like I'll maybe play Super Mario Run, you know, once in a blue moon because my kids, you know, they want to play while we're sitting around somewhere. But I, I don't I mean, know who wants this. I suppose I might have gotten some use out of it if it were available for Android back when I was, you know, actively reviewing uh, multiple uh, Android games. Sometimes I was doing two a week. So, I mean, I could have gotten some use out of it then. But, yeah, I actually, I don't even have any games on my mobile phone uh, because I like battery life. <laughs> You'd rather use it for phone calls and texting like it was intended. Well, phone calls, texting, and, uh, oh, uh, you know, when I did all that driving back and forth from Salt Lake, I played music on it and uh, some podcasts. So, but yeah, that's what I use it for. I use it for travel, phone calls and such, and I've got a tablet if I want to play a video game. There's way Just too many free that. games out there. I'll say this and then we'll wrap up. So my kids, they have Kindle Fires. Um, HD tablets and the kid version, obviously. <laughs> and the the amount of games that they can play on those tablets, and believe me, my card is not tied to their tablets, so they're not purchasing stuff. Um, but I mean, there's literally like the original version of Sonic the Hedgehog is available. Um, my, my oldest son is really into Cut the Rope, which I let him play quite a bit because it's kind of a strategy game. Um, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's Pokemon games, there's Lego games, um, there's all kinds of movies, there's all kinds of books and they're all free. And I think part of them are free because we have Amazon and it's an Amazon product. But I guess my point is there's so much free mobile stuff already. No one is paying for this service. There, there's the masses are not paying for this service. We wish you the best Apple, but we got, I got to kick this one. I'm sorry. Uh, and that has been our topic of the week, Mac back over to you. All right. Well, uh, now I feel like, you know, my thunder's been a little bit stolen because it's kick or kickstart time. And uh, what are we going to do? Well, we are going to take a look at a crowdfunding effort. We're going to discuss the virtues and the vices, and we're going to say whether or not we think this should be kick or kickstarted. And uh, just as an FYI, remember, once again, Mr. Nice Guy and I, we do not uh, discuss what's going on beforehand. We have our stuff ready to go, and we come together with fresh eyes. So here it is. It's called Rebuild VR. I was feeling indefinitely a VR mood, and I saw this being kickstarted. So uh, let's start out. Built on the Unreal 4 engine, it is going to use either Oculus Rift or Vive. Um, in order to uh, to be played. Uh, the bare minimum buy-in to get it is uh, $10 for the early access game on Steam, and then, of course, the full game once it's released. That's supposed to be delivered in May. And then, uh, of course, you know, there are other tiers and such, but minimum buy-in of 10 bucks if you want to uh, if you want to get a copy of this game. This game is supposed to be a combination survival open world zombie apocalypse uh shooting game uh you know definitely crafting it wouldn't be wouldn't be a game named rebuild if it didn't have crafting in it um you can of course watch the video to get an idea of some of the uh stuff that's already ready to go for it so 
as I mentioned earlier, VR is an underused platform at the minute, and I feel like it needs more games, it needs more content. I do think this is a really cool idea, and I'm not going to lie, I like the idea of a VR game where I'm fighting zombies in an open world setting. I really, really like the idea. That being said, a release date for May 2019, that is a dream. And not in, you know, not in, in a good way. This is, they, they are dreaming. There is no way there's going to be a workable thing that's ready for release in May 2019. Uh, $2,500 for one person to build this game with the scope that's being listed on the Kickstarter project. Dream on. And then uh, one third uh, thing that kind of detracts from it. There is already a zombie game, you know, a... Uh, a rebuild in the aftermath of a zombie apocalypse called Rebuild using this same title. So uh, there are some three really, really big problems. And uh, to that point, there's not actually that much crafting shown in the trailer itself. Uh, most of what's shown in the trailer for the game are just, you know, sort of, uh, sort of the gun parts. So while I do think uh, that there needs to be more you know, more content made for VR, and I would love to see an open-world zombie game. I have some huge reservations. Mr. Nice Guy? You know what? I feel like the bar for VR... That rhyme. <laughs> the bar for VR has been set so low. Um, it, you know, they just don't make good VR games. They make a lot of really good VR concepts. Remember that um, that Portal demo that we did? Oh, yeah, it was fun. It was fun, but it was 10 minutes, right? Um, mm -hmm. so it was a really good concept, but not a full game. And I feel like most VR experiences are bite-sized experiences that are, are something that was intended to be part of a bigger whole, something that was intended to be a, a huge game, and they realized, oh, wow, you know, I've never developed a game on VR before, so I'm just going to make this a 15-minute thing. It's going to be graphically impressive. It's going to run smooth, but it's not something that's going to have any type of depth or replayability. And I have a feeling that's exactly what would happen with this zombie game. They say it's an open world, but it's going to end up being, you know, five rooms and an open field, you know. So by definition, open world, but in reality, something that's not that big of a scope. Uh, and people are going to get bored of it quickly. And because there's such an oversaturation of bad VR games or mediocre VR games, this is going to pass as okay. Uh, I watched the trailer, and after watching the trailer just now, it looks more impressive than it did when you first started talking about it. And I was just glancing at the Kickstarter. But I don't know if this is for me, Mac. I, I yeah. really feel bad for people who are early adopters of VR, man. They put, what, like 500 to $800 down for a VR headset and then unless it was the PS4 version, they had to probably upgrade their PC as well. Um, and, and now they just have this big thing that kind of collects dust. Yeah, for my part, you know me, I've got a big rule about having a playable demo, and this has no playable demo. And Well, to be fair, though, you would need a VR headset. It's the truth, 
but I demo. wouldn't necessarily have to play it, just have the playable demo there. I would lean on friends of the stream, such as Pazzy, who I know has the equipment, and ask him to do do a little bit of do a little bit of contract work, some some freelancing for us. But uh, even that being said, I have no real evidence that these things are you know that these things are functional. Just some you know just some graphics, and in some case some cases a lot of what seems kind of like hollow promising. Nonetheless, I wish these people well or this person well. Good luck. I hope you do it, and I hope it turns out great. But at the end of the day, there's nothing here to, you know, uh, there's nothing really here to say that it's even going to be built if it's funded, much less that, you know, that the requisite talent is there, the experience, sorry, not talent, that the requisite experience is there to make something that's good. One of the things that's being pointed out in the chat as we're talking about this is that a hard thing about VR games is to make something that doesn't make you nauseated while you are playing it and uh you know you don't want you know you don't want that to be an issue when you're playing so uh i'll i'll just leave it at that and say i definitely say kick mr nice guy yeah i'm gonna say kick it as well and uh it is unanimous decision between mr nice guy myself as well as everybody who's here live this is kicks all the way down the board but uh, thanks, everyone, for participating and being here. Those of you who are listening to this after the fact, be sure to say kick I or kickstart. I'm tallying the results from here. And over to you, Mr. Nice Guy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time for the main event. It's time for the Dummy of the Week. Week, week, week. A segment of the show where we talk about someone who did something stupid idiotic or downright dumb and make fun of them now this week's story comes from ign.com and mac this one is unique uh compared to some of the other stories that we we share um i'm just gonna jump right in this is written by matt perslau uh it says evan ramouskis of lithuania managed to steal 99 million dollars from facebook and 23 million from google by way of a simple plan now this is interesting he sent invoices to the tech giants for items they hadn't ordered. Astonishingly, both companies paid up. A story at Boing Boing explains that the invoices were sent alongside a variety of forged paperwork, including contracts and falsely signed letters, to maintain an air of legitimacy. Ramouskis even mocked up emails that appeared to come from corporate executives to support his demands for payment. The plan was further bolstered by Ramouskis pretending to be Taiwanese hardware company Quanta Computer Incorporated. He even registered a company of that name in Latvia to help cement the credentials. So meticulous was his plan, no one at Facebook or Google checked to see if Ramouskis's invoices were legitimate. They simply paid him. Ramouskis, excuse me, then transferred the money to bank accounts set up in Cyprus, Lithuania, Hungary, Slovakia, and Latvia. Ramouskis was eventually discovered by Google and now faces charges of U.S. wire fraud, aggravated identity theft, and money laundering. He has agreed to forfeit $50 million <laughs> and could face up to 30 years imprisonment when he is sentenced on July 29th. Um, <laughs> I don't even know where to start. He, he, he stole over $100 million dollars from some of the biggest, most innovative, not not agriculture companies, Mac, not, you know, 
medical companies, not pharmaceutical companies, but tech companies who you think would spot this kind of thing a mile away through an audit or through some type of technology that would analyze those documents and the signatures before sending millions of dollars to some random dude. I don't know who the dummy is, if it's him for doing it repeatedly or if it's them for letting him get away with it. Definitely them for letting him get away with it. Here's the thing, though. Once you get away with this once, I feel like you stop. He, he had bank accounts in five different companies, five different countries, excuse me, and, and kept going. And I mean, here's the thing. When you send a fake invoice to Google, I can't imagine it's for five bucks, you know, or, five, or even $5,000. It's for like a million, right? And so once you get away with this once, you should be like, ah, I'm good. But he kept doing it over and over and over and over again. Now, here's the thing. Even those offshore banks where he was sending this stuff, banks are trained to notice when someone has suspicious activity in their account. So either this guy was really, really wealthy and had a lot of money in his account and was constantly doing these type of transactions, or the banks were just not doing their job. That's it, Mac. I don't know what else to say, man. I, I think that's it for the Dummy of the Week, man. Don't do this, kids. Back over to you, man. All right. Well, uh, we will then move on to our next segment where we talk a little bit about the laws that affect us as gamers and a little segment we call Legalese. Legalese. Because I am not a lawyer. I just play one on a podcast. So um, I do actually want to talk rather about uh, any new legalese segments. I kind of want to give us some additional background, some new developments on some past legalises. Uh, specifically, I want to start by talking about uh, Kurt Schilling. If that name sounds familiar, we talked about him uh, uh, probably about six months ago or so. Um, for those of you who don't remember... Curtis Schilling is a gentleman who I believe was a baseball player and he had a video game company and he agreed to move the video game company to Massachusetts in exchange for 75 for a guaranteed 75 million dollars be being given to the company. Um, and they then declared bankruptcy two days later without having produced a single video game or bringing the types of uh, jobs and payments to the community or to the state of Massachusetts that uh, that the uh, that the uh, uh, state's government had been hoping that they would. But the interesting part, the interesting development here, is that apparently Wells Fargo, uh, the bank, has been ordered to pay eighty or sorry eight hundred thousand dollars in a settlement. Because apparently they signed off on this loan of uh, on this uh, a line of, of seventy five million dollars of credit to the video game company, um, but they themselves, Wells Fargo, had been told by the game company that they would need more than the seventy five million dollar line in order to get the games made, but did not disclose that. Which makes the whole circumstance and situation even more interesting. Because when we reported it on before, um, we, we, we talked a lot about how the, uh, the taxpayers of Massachusetts were kind of left on the hook for, uh, for that money. Because it was the taxpayer money that went in to, uh, to guarantee this $75 million. Uh, but what's just really weird about this is that 
apparently somebody forgot to tell you know the the banks forgot to tell uh, disclose information to the state of Massachusetts about this uh, additional money that the company themselves said that they needed which makes Curtis Kurt Schilling and his company seem only slightly less ridiculous and uh you know and only slightly less you know uh underhanded as a result but uh but yeah definitely odd um i'll keep you guys updated as more stuff comes out of this but uh, but that was definitely something from there um uh the next one uh happens to relate to the tattoo lawsuits so as you know um in these sports games that uh, that i uh, happen to be such a huge fan of we NBA all know this 2k indeed uh that focused tattoo which is the company specifically that tattoos lebron that tattooed lebron james um is seeking damages for the tattoos that they did that were used in nba 2k 16 17 and 18 uh, now, the judge in the case has given the uh, given the clear for them to you know press forward on the case uh, with the stipulations that they will only get uh, they'll only be able to you know uh, request uh, compensation for the use of the of the tattoos in both seventeen two K seventeen and two K eighteen because the copyrights for the tattoo designs were not granted before the 2K16 game game came out and as we discussed not last time but the time before with uh you know uh fourth estate public benefit corp v wallstreet.com that it was supreme court determined that you have to have the uh you know the copyright uh registered and granted before you can make the claim um, other things that were also tossed out was that the focused tattoo tried to push for charges of fraud and, quote, unjust enrichment on account of the tattoos. Because, again, as we know, we've kind of beat this dead horse before a few times. Um, the one thing that is really bringing all the money into 2K games is absolutely those tattoo designs. It, it, without the tattoo designs, they would not have a viable business model, as we all know. So yeah, that's hashtag what I had. Just a sarcasm. Yes, hashtag forward slash s, Mister Nice Guy. That is the internet's uh, con- um, you know thing for sarcasm, but. That being said, that's what I had as a little bit of legalese for you today. Nothing especially groundbreaking, but I didn't want us to never come back to these because some of them, some of them are really interesting. But uh, but back over to you, Mister Nice. Fantastic. Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thanks for tuning in to episode number ninety-seven of Two Nerds in a Pod, the nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy. Before we go, we like to do one last segment called what we've been watching and what we've been playing where we talk about just that the nerdy stuff we've been into on netflix on youtube on blu-ray and 4k and also on our game consoles pcs and mobile uh and you have an important role to play in this portion of the show we'd like you to let us know in the chat the nerdy stuff that you've been into so that we can watch it too and play it too uh i'll lead off mac uh really been getting back into the walking dizzle uh this season is really really good how far behind are you um very uh let's yeah, so see I won't, I won't give you any spoilers i i uh they want to but 
have not, you know, where I am, they wanted to, but have not succeeded in deceiving Negan. Okay, fantastic. Well, I won't tell you if they do or don't. Um, but anyway, yeah, I've been getting caught up with The Walking Dead. I, you know, it's one of those things where you and I have talked before about how there seems to be almost a cycle in the things that they go through on the show. Like, they run into a group of people who are crazy. And then they try to take down that group of people who are crazy. But they, like, compromise their own morals to do it, you know? And then the same thing happens over and over and over and over again. And and do they get separated without having a predefined rally point yeah, where they can find like, each other? There, there's never a plan. You know, sometimes someone mm-hmm. will get taken uh, or lost or mm-hmm. injured in the woods mm-hmm. um, because there's no communication or, or plan. You know, in a time where there's zombies running around and everyone's acting crazy. you think people would have a plan. Occasionally people get bitten. Um, occasionally someone will get killed by another human. There, You know, it's just the same thing over and over. But for some reason, it keeps bringing us back. So I've been watching that. Um, my wife and I are still really into Designated Survivor. In fact, we were watching it right before we did this show, this episode. Um, and what have I been playing? I've been playing Apex. Last night I had a really, really good stream. If you guys are listening, check out my personal Twitch channel, twitch.tv backslash MrNiceGuy425. In fact, after we get done here, I'm going to go back over there and stream again. Uh, I've been playing some Modern Warfare Remastered on PS4 as well. Um, and, I, you know, I got a game or two of Fortnite in, Mac. And, you know, what else? Trying to get back into Dead Cells because I bought that game. It's a fantastic indie game, and I've just never been able to finish it yet. It's, you know, it's one of those games that's a roguelike. You collect stuff. You keep some of your upgrades. I haven't been able to finish it. But, Mac, let's hear what you're into, man. Well, all right. Well, I haven't been playing all that much in the way of video games this past week. I've uh, been playing a little bit of Chasm, but more so than anything else, Mrs. The Mac has been stealing my computer in order to play Chasm. She caught the bug and is enjoying it, and I could hardly be happier or prouder. Uh, when I visited my friends, I played uh, Beat Saber, and Mrs. The Mac played, uh, played um, a Bridge Crew. Uh, I took video of Mrs. The Mac playing Bridge Crew, so I look forward to sharing that sometime in the future. Um, and I understand she took some video of me playing Beat Saber, so that could be kind of fun to watch, too. Uh, nice. Let's see. What else? I, I think that's about it for what we've been playing. Uh, as for what I've been watching, uh, Mrs. The Mac and I continue to watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine. We continue to watch The Orville, which I know uh, some of us in the chat have been watching as well. Um, And, uh, oh, I've been continuing to watch through that CNN docu-series about various decades. I'm now into the 90s, and uh, that's pretty good. I've also taken up watching some of the past shows of a Dungeons & Dragons um, thing called Critical Role, run by the people over at geek and sundry dm'd by matt mercer and his motley crew of voice acting tabletop rpg friends so uh it's 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 quite fun um and yeah it's uh, it, it's an enjoyable watch i got to uh listen to some of that um let me go ahead and uh, read some of the nice nerdy things that some of our friends here with us live have been watching and playing and hopefully this uh, you know, comes in handy for us once we are finished with our series. 
So uh, we've got watching some Triple Frontier on Netflix, which is apparently decent. Ant-Man and the Wasp, which is okay. Um, ah, there we go. There's the Orville. You know, continue to shout praises of that show. Despite its comedy, it asks enough questions to feel like it fits alongside 1990s Star Trek. Um, we've got, let's see, watching Disney Bunked and Under Arrest on Netflix. Uh, let's see. Yep, Critical Role is worth the time. Okay, mm-hmm. and another uh, another testimonial for Critical Role. Uh, let's see. For video games, we have Black Ops 4, Assassin's Creed Origins, and Odyssey. Uh, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. I've seen the advertisements for those. And Dark Souls 3. Uh, what else have we got? Playing uh, Road Rage on Xbox, uh, Overwatch on Xbox One, and yeah, that looks to be about what we've got. Thanks everybody for throwing in your suggestions and you know the things that you're watching and the things that you're playing. Because Mr. Nice Guy and I, you know, we're always looking for new stuff to share with you and to be shared with to have shared with us. That made no you know, sense, but we knew what I you meant. I can't English right now, but you know what I mean, and that's the important thing. Now, everybody, thank you so much for tuning into the show. This has been episode number 97 of Two Nerds in a Pod, the nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy. Mac, did you have anything to say before we uh, get out of here? No, no. Aside from you all are the best viewers on Twitch and the best listeners on podcast name here. That's fantastic. And we'll be back next week on twitch.tv backslash Two Nerds in a Pod. 9 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Mountain. Same bat place, same bat times, same bat rhymes. Keep it nerdy, y'all. Deuces.